Hi everyone, this is Jen and Sam and welcome to our podcast Miracle Mindset. Where we give you our unsolicited, probably unwanted advice. But if you want to become the best version of yourself, start believing in yourself a little bit more, then tune in every Sunday for the podcast. Cheers. Bye. So as you know, we currently don't have a sponsor yet. We don't really want to get anything on unless you fully believe in it. So whilst we wait for the perfect sponsor, we're going to sponsor ourselves. So as you will probably have seen by now, we do have our first product out. We're so, so, so proud and happy with it. It's a deck of 50 affirmation and journal prompt cards. So the reason behind doing this is we've had affirmation cards before where we've not felt like they were that personal to us or didn't kind of resonate with them. So we've made it so that you can really delve a little bit deeper into your mind, your journey, what's true to you. Yeah, so we've split a lot of the questions up between like relationships, career, mindset, and with the affirmation comes a journal prompt. So each morning we want you to stay off your phones, journal, get a little bit more mindful, and the affirmations, when you obviously delve a little bit deeper into them, they'll manifest easier for you, you'll feel so much more aligned to them, and we're so excited to bring you them. So it's 50 days of consistent journaling for you reprogramming your mind and we know how important it is to do that so we're so excited to bring you them you can buy them on our website or our etsy store message us on instagram if you have any other questions we'll obviously always be happy to speak to you but yeah hopefully you love them as much as we do Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Miracle Mindsets. We've got another guest episode for you today. We're so, so, so excited about who we have on. It's Paul McGee from The Sumo Guy. Yeah, so I read one of his books a while ago. My mum had it and you might have all seen it. It's called like Sumo and it's basically stands to shut up and move on. It's like a really big personal development book and he's gone on to be like a coach, an author. He's wrote 13 books and is my mindset is just incredible honestly he's one of them that we were saying this but he's just so wise like the stuff that he's saying is it's not dead spiritual like we usually are and it's actually really tangible practical advice advice it is so good i know it's just like just shut up and do it i was like i fucking will (laughs) (laughs) you watch me tiger it was honestly like getting this little pocket of wisdom out of nowhere and we just sat back and listened to him basically for an hour and a half honestly so i really hope you take stuff from it i feel like you'll learn a lot about gratitude about getting up about the way you respond to particular things like i feel like it's going to be so beneficial to you all but i hope you enjoy um welcome paul thank you so much for coming on the podcast um so we want to know a little bit about your journey like obviously you're an author and a coach and just about your journey and how you ended up getting to where you are today great well sammy and jen it's great to be with you and i have to say it's um I mean, I could, you know, if your listeners have got 15 hours free, I can tell you my journey. But maybe what I'll do is condense it briefly. So um, um, my background is in psychology. I did a degree which incorporated behavioral and social psychology, trained to be a probation officer, didn't go down that route. Ended up working in HR for a big multinational company. Uh, Birdseye Walls were part of their, their business. And so I worked for Birdseye and hey, really exciting experience. I once managed 30 women on the Economy Beef Burger line. And that was an interesting. <laughs> oh my God. I've still got the psychological and emotional scars. 
And um, this <laughs> turning point in my life was um, I lost my job through ill health and um, I became ill with an illness called ME or myalgic encephalomyelitis or yuppie flu or it's sometimes known as chronic fatigue syndrome. And in a nutshell, for those people not come across it, imagine going to bed at night and you go, oh, my days, my, 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 my phone has got no charge in it whatsoever. So you charge it up, you get your seven or eight hours sleep, you wake up in the morning, you go to your phone and it's only on 5%. And in a sense, that's how the illness affected me. It robbed me completely of my energy. And um, I didn't know whether I'd ever work again. It was not a very, it was a debilitating illness. Suddenly I'm in my early twenties. I've got a walking stick. The only person with the, uh, with the illness that I know of is in a wheelchair and has been for 10 years. So it was a real, real struggle. And, um, but, but I'd have good days and bad days, but I got into, I guess you'd say I got into personal development at that time and someone let, sent me or lent me a set of audio cassettes. Now you won't flipping remember what audio cassettes were, right? They were these cassette tapes before CDs and all that stuff, whatever we call these cassette tapes, Google it later. You can all find out what cassette tapes are. And I put them in my, in my little cassette machine and, and I cannot remember anything except for this one phrase from these audio cassettes. And the phrase said, within every adversity, there is a seed of equal or greater opportunity. Within every, within, within every adversity, there's a seed of equal or greater opportunity. And how I interpreted that was, you might be going through some real crap stuff here. Um, but actually, maybe there'll be a seed of opportunity and something can grow from it. And um, what grew from it was when I felt I started to, you know, improve, not fully recover, but I improved. And so metaphorically, when I'd wake up in the morning, my, my phone charge was on, say, 30, 35 percent. So not fully recovered, but maybe well enough to do some work. But unfortunately, no one had hired me because I couldn't pass a medical so what I did before you, probably before your mum and dad, before your flipping grandparents were born, back in 1991, I, I just went self-employed. I signed off what was then called invalidity benefit. And I thought, right, I'm going to go self-employed. I'm going to try and use some of these ideas that I've learned that have helped me. And, and I could be my own boss. So if I, I don't have to work too many hours, I have to make too many demands on myself. I'll be my own boss. And that was in 1991, 30 years ago. Wow. And um, it wasn't an overnight success at all. In fact, in my first year of business, I earned so little money that I paid no tax, no national insurance, and my accountant sacked me. So it wasn't <laughs> exactly the most auspicious start. But over time, um, things improved. I've now written, I want a bit of a woo from you right now, right? So in a moment, I'll tell you some information. You need to make me feel good. So I want a big woo from you. I have written 13 books. That was a pretty good woo. I like that. That's the best woo of the day. Um, I asked my wife to do that. She goes, get a life, get a life. Anyway, never mind. And um, I've written 13 books. 12 of them are kind of, uh, I used to say 12 of them are adult books. And people used to go, adult books? You write adult books? What, like Fifty Shades of Grey? And I went, no, no, no. Books for adults. And then and one of them is a book that's aimed at young people called Yes, the Sumo Secrets to Being a Positive, Confident Teenager. So I write, I'm known as a sumo guy. It stands for S-U-M-O, can stand for shut up, move on. 
And sometimes that's what we need to do. But what I really meant by the shut up was get off autopilot, get, you know, shh, stop, take some time out, stop, think and reflect, and then move on. But we also have an alternative definition for sumo, which is stop, understand, move on. And bit of a bonus for you. In Latin, sumo is a word in Latin means to choose. And as someone who actually you may have come across called Drew Povey, he's based in Warrington as well. He's a leadership speaker. And Drew says, every day is a choose day. C-H-O-O-S-E. And so what I've realized is, you know, sumo shouldn't move on, stop, understand, move on. But sumo is about choices and what choices we make on a daily basis. They add up and over time make a difference. So that's a bit about me in a nutshell. Hopefully you're still awake. I think like so much stuff that you said I'd want to delve into, like especially, obviously I do feel like with any kind of illnesses or like anything like that, I think that doctors and you seeing somebody else with the same condition, obviously in a worse condition than you, most people like with any kind of news from the doctor won't kind of see like hope from it does that make sense like with an illness like that and you're feeling lethargic like how did you get yourself actually mentally better physically better like how did you do that and and you know Sammy you make a really great point there because I think it's like when people have got ME now sometimes people will hear me hear me speak and go my son's got it my daughter's got it my husband's got it one wife etc and, and, I, and they go, how did you get well? And I go, I don't know. But what happens is, is I can give them hope, though, because I can say I was ill. I didn't work for three years. Even when I did work, I wasn't working full time. It took me a few years to recover, but I've made a full recovery. And I think hope is really important for people. And at the time, I didn't really have a lot of hope. You're dead right. Um, but I suppose what I would just do is, I know it's a, a cliche thing, but... I was thinking I was ill with the virus with COVID-19 last March. And I just one day I'm literally in this office where I am speaking to you now. And I just was like, you know, I was ill. I was, I was finally, edi- I was editing my book. I'd built up my business. It's taken 30 years to get to this place. And, and I was just thinking, oh no, you know, my business is collapsing around me because I speak in person at live events. I remember saying to myself, I don't think I've got the fight for the future. And it's almost like this little voice inside me said, you don't need the fight for the future. You just need the fight for today. And going back to my illness many years ago, I guess it was like, you just need the fight for today. Just deal with today. And let's see how today goes. And it is, you know, I mean, I feel strangely, and I'm surprised at this, feel a bit emotional thinking about that time, because actually I did not know whether I would ever make a full recovery. I did not have, you know, I couldn't have dreamed of doing what I'm doing now and traveling around the world as I've done before the pandemic and writing books. But I guess I just hung on to a little bit of hope. Um, I had great, you know, support from my family. And we're just like, okay, well, let's just deal with today and let's see if maybe today is a better day than yesterday. And um, that's what I did. And it and it helped, but I, I can't claim any credit for getting well. I just feel I was very fortunate that for some reason my body took such a, a, a hitting, a, you know, a beating, if you like, but somehow managed to make a recovery. 
Yeah, that's amazing, genuinely. You know, when you say that, so you left your full-time job and you was like, I'm going to put to practice everything that I've learned over the past few months or years and go self-employed. What did you feel like were the biggest lessons that you wanted to teach people? I think one of the things I've learned is um, that invariably success doesn't come around by you just having a good attitude. It is about taking action. It is about um, getting out there, becoming known. It is about networking. It is about um, finding something that you do enjoy doing and you love doing, ideally. But there is, you know, with all that, you know, people go, oh, you, do you love what you do? And I go, well, I love what I do, but what I do sometimes is speaking on a stage in front of, you know, 50 people, 500 people. I love that. But you've got to love it enough to cope with all the other crap stuff or the mundane stuff that also comes with a job so to maybe speak at that event where there might be say 500 people I might have been driving three hours the night before to stay in a premier inn um, in an industrial estate in Durham and then you know driven to my venue and met everybody else and so some of the lessons is it's not all glamorous and it's you know and parts of it are but I think success isn't just about how much you love your job. It's how much you can cope with the tough stuff that sometimes goes along with it. And so I coped with the tough stuff. I didn't mind the travel. I didn't mind being away from home because I loved what I did so much and I felt passionate about it. And one of the other lessons I've learned, I mean, I've learned many, is, you know, success comes from the support of others. So I developed my, my, my knowledge and my skill at speaking. But, you know, ultimately, having done everything myself in the business from invoicing clients, paying the bills, you know, my wife became more involved. Then I got someone else who became involved and they make things run smoothly. And this is not, you know, when people achieve success, you can look at um, Steve Jobs and uh, people, you know, lots of successful people. And you know, weren't they amazing? You know, they, they had an amazing team around them. That's what they had. And that's an important lesson as well. So work hard, recognize it's not always glamorous, but ask yourself, is it worth it? And uh, recognize the support of other people is crucial to your success. I think those are some of the lessons I've learned. That's honestly like, it's so funny because I feel like some of the stuff you're saying now is stuff that I've really realized the past couple of months. Like when you first said um, about like your business the first year, like sometimes you take that leap and then you don't see the the glamorous results of like, oh my God, I've made seven figures. That's amazing. And like, you don't yeah. see the, um, like the growth you expect to, or there is these mundane things that like we're looking at each other yesterday and was like, oh my God, like there's tax, there's everything that you've got. Like it's, it's a whole host of things. It's not just, we get on a podcast and we talk and that's how the business builds. Like, it and it does take a while to start to build it up and build yeah. the foundation so that you can see success yeah totally and it's so interesting what you're saying as well like streamlining Sorry. it out to other people as well like maybe when you can get to that level the bits that you might not be good at you can actually get support yeah the, the thing is what happens and i'll give you a couple of analogies in a moment but um the thing is when people see what the people who they perceive to be successful um, and success is very subjective, isn't it? Because someone can have the big car, the big house, the big bank account and, and crap relationships, you know, can have broken relationships. They can have 
kids who don't speak to them. They can, you know, there's a lot of, so we talk about success, but what we see on Instagram, and you'll be aware of, is the edited highlights of someone's life. And 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 so, but what we perceive anyway, if let's say you, some people might look at me and think you've been a success, but um, there's, there's a, like you say, there's a journey there and you're to get to where I am now. I mean, it's 30 years and they go, you've written all those books and you've done this and you've done that. Yeah, but it was, it's a journey. And sometimes people look at the success or they look at the destination and they go, I want that destination. And you go, yeah, well, to get to that destination, you need to go on a journey. And when you're sending, not that I'm very technical, and I think we've all agreed, maybe that's something we all share in common. Um, but if you're sending a rocket to the moon, and those listeners who are thinking of doing it next week, you know, they're part time. Um, the fact is, apparently, the, the rocket uses as much fuel in its first two or three miles of its journey to get to the moon, which is thousands of miles away because it uses up so much energy to break free from the gravitational forces around the earth. So in other words, the first part of the, of the rocket's journey, it uses loads of fuel to get to a certain point. And, and it's like, I think that happens in business. You've got to throw a lot at it to get to a certain point. And if you were ever wanting to grow bamboo trees, if you, apparently if you grow a bamboo tree, you just don't, first five years, it's like, what happened to it? It's not, they can't even see anything. And what's happening in those first four or five years is it's all the growth is below the ground and it's spreading all this root system out. It's only on like year five or six that you start to see it. Oh, I can see something above ground. But in those first five years, when you were saying, I can't see anything happening, I can't see any growth. There was, it just wasn't visible. So rocket fuel, you've got to use a lot to break free from the gra gravitational pull of the earth. Bamboo trees, a lot's happening that you don't see to begin with. And that's an important lesson for all of us, I think, because we think if we don't see instant results, instant success, I'm going to quit. Yeah, and I think like at the moment you do like tend to look to instant success, success like quickly who's got famous on like X Factor or like Instagram or something. Yeah. And when like it's listen to things like really successful people or companies like you, d you don't like think about when Airbnb guy was sleeping on a mattress in San Francisco and that's why he called it Airbnb or like Coca-Cola sold like 25 in the first year yeah or Shoe Dog I'm reading yeah. about Phil Knight at the moment and Shoe Dog and how like he had a job as an accountant and then a teacher whilst Nike or Blue Ribbon it used to be called was making like 600k a year but he still wasn't taking a salary from it and I think like some like you always just want the quick fix but it is like the journey of it that makes it so special yeah absolutely and it's I mean I once um it's a guy unlikely that you've heard of him perhaps maybe you have it was a guy called Jim Rohn he's no longer with us an American guy and and he said this is a few years ago he said you should set yourself a goal to become a millionaire. And, and the reason you should set that goal is not so you earn a million pound, but it's because of what kind of person you will have to become and the skills you will have to develop to achieve that outcome. And again, it's just food for thought, isn't it? I mean, I've never set myself any financial goals particularly. I don't find it for me personally, find that especially helpful. But it is, it's about, it's what you become in getting to that place. And um, 
you know, what have I become as an individual? You know, I've, I've had to sort of like step out of my comfort zone, you know, writing a book for kids. You know, it was interesting. So one of my books, Sumo, became a Sunday Times bestseller. So I've sold over a quarter of a million books. And people go, wow, that's amazing. And then I write a book aimed at young people. And it's like, you've never done a book for young people. Exactly. So what I did was actually had 10 young people from the age of 10 to 18 read the first draft of the book. And one of the kids was like, his dad said to him, so have a look at this. This guy's really good. He's written a Sunday Times bestseller. I don't even know if the kid realized what that was. But, <laughs> um, but, but the kid was like going, well, why would he ask me then for his advice on this book? And he went, because he's never written a book for young people. And, and you're a young person and the book's the kind of person that you, uh, you, this book is aimed at children like you. And what I've learned is you've got to keep on humbling yourself, actually. Never think you've, you've mastered it all. And so I feel also a constant, you know, need and desire to want to learn and to grow. And, you know, there are I've been in, you know, I'm, I've been I've been in business longer than you two have been on the planet. And yet the reality is there are things I could learn from you. And there are things that I've learned from that 10 year old that help my book for young people become better. So I think my advice for everyone is never stop learning. You know, you know, that phrase every day is a school day, but I mean, I'm 57. Some people I could retire. My financial advisor said you can retire tomorrow if you want. Life's too exciting. And I love what I do so much. There's no way I'm going to retire, but I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the adventure. And, and every day can be an adventure. I think if you start something as well with that in mind, then you're onto a winner, like do it for free until you get a fee. Yeah. Like do follow what you really enjoy. And in this day and age as well, you can get paid for all sorts that you probably didn't get paid for. Like for example, when you went self-employed and it was like more unheard of than it is now, now yeah. people get paid for playing video games, like, <laughs> and just streaming it. Like you can actually get paid for your passion. Yeah, there are there are there's more options and possibilities now that the Internet has managed to, uh, you know, help us to do. Definitely. And um, but and it's also about being flexible as well. It's like I, I my sumo book was rejected by 13 publishers. Wow. Like to be flexible to decide, is it just not going to be a good book? In which case, have the courage to quit sometimes. Mm. But then on the other hand, someone said, well, why didn't you? Was it just, you know, this amazing self-belief? No, actually, what it was, was one, I had a mentor who I really respected. And he just went, you've got some real good stuff that you could communicate through your sumo ideas. And secondly, I was speaking at the time and lots of people were saying to me, you should write a book on this. So, but there's other times when at one stage I thought, do I want to become a TV presenter? So I was running my own business, but I went on a, a weekend course, spent quite a lot of money on a weekend course to train to be a TV presenter and to do a show reel and one thing and another. And do you know what? I tried it and I thought, no, yeah. that, that's not for me. And, and oh, so you tried to do it, but you decided not to. Yeah, well, it was a lesson, wasn't it? It was a lesson. I got some feedback and I, I had the courage to quit. I didn't decide that's what I'm going to do. And, and that was my focus. I kind of thought I'm going to explore that. I'm going to push that door, see what I think. And I, and I did. And I decided not to do it. And, and I think that's about the flexibility of life. It, it's a journey. It's an adventure. You're running a business now. You may win a contract to do something with someone else. 
You may get offered a job that meets so many of your needs and you feel, hey, just keep an open, curious mind. That's that's what I think I'd encourage you and lots of people to do. Don't be fixed on destination and the journey to get there. There's lots of different journeys to wow. take. It's like something you said then, like it was, I've read in a book basically recently, it's called, you can either say that we've said it before in our podcast, but it's either called like your Dharma, like your, it's like a, yo, a yoga term for like your purpose and your passion. And it's when like you're like, you can do it as a career, like people will pay you for it, but it's something that you're passionate about. It's something that the world needs to hear. And it's said in the book that if something is meant for you, like if, if it is your Dharma, like Paul's Dharma to be an author and to write, other people will say to you, people will comment about that for you. And if, if nobody does, then it's probably not your dharma. And like that, them people saying to you like, oh, this is amazing. You should definitely write about this. Yeah. Means that it was meant for you and that like you should have kept pressing on. Yeah, I think you're right. I think just always be aware of your mum. If your mum loves you and thinks you're amazing at everything, she'll, she'll be totally biased and always think you can you can succeed at everything, which is why you get people on the X Factor who, in those early rounds, are not very good singers, but my mum told me <laughs> I'm amazing. But you're right. If you have enough other people telling you that, besides your mum, then you begin to go, all right, maybe there's something in this. And, and it's also, it's not just, it's just not listening to people, it's it's who you listen to. It's not just the numbers, it's who. And I think my mate, uh, Paul Sandham, he, I really respected his viewpoint. Uh, it wasn't just some random stranger. It was someone who knew me, who knew the market. And, and he was the one that really cheered me on. And then, like you say, when I was speaking at conferences, People going, I love this similar stuff. I wish my husband could have heard. You must write a book. So yeah, it's an interesting thought. If there's only you who thinks you can do this, you might want to take some feedback from other people as well. Yeah. And like even what you were saying then about like always being a learner, I think mm. that that sometimes mm. is so important because sometimes you can get so mentally blocked if you just think you know everything and you think that, for example, what you said before, like the end destination, like is exactly as you think it is like I think when you're always constantly willing to be open and to learn new things yeah then doors will open that you're least expected to open like you probably didn't think when like you were just battling with the illness that you'd be writing a, a book for children <laughs> totally totally and it is it's life evolves and I think we just need to I think some people can get a bit caught up in got to have a goal, got to have a plan. What are you going to do? What are you going to see yourself in five years? Um, well, just be open to possibilities and explore options and keep, you know, be curious. And that's a really underestimated skill at times. Just that sense of being a bit curious. And what's that about? Well, explore that and keep asking questions. You know, when you meet people, I don't think it's always about talking about yourself. You know, I'm always curious, well, tell me more about what you do and how did you get into that and how does that work? I'm curious and I ask questions and that's why I hopefully I've learned a lot. It's so true because, like, you'll notice, don't you, you come away from some people and you're like, wow, like, this person. I remember when I used to work my job, this lady came in and did, like, 
talks of all the executives about like their um management style but like their mindset and stuff as well and I literally came away like wow I had no idea that that was even a career and I was just thinking that like marketing was the only way to go because I'm in a marketing company and it was all that I was seeing but then I saw that and got like took so much inspiration from it I actually heard an analogy recently where it's like a funnel diagram and so Mm. you want to keep feeding like the funnels at the top where you keep feeding loads of different information in, even stuff that you're not particularly interested in whether it's like an article or a book that you wouldn't usually choose just like give it a go read it and like things will filter through the funnel and ideas are right for you will come out the bottom yeah great I heard that for and that's so true uh, Jen I heard this phrase and if you want to have a great idea have lots of ideas you know and and again I think people are looking for everything to be perfect before they set they try stuff so to just get out there and try it you know you don't you don't learn to ride a bike by just visualizing it and having pof- positive affirmations in the mirror. You flipping get on that saddle, don't you? Start pedaling. That's what you're going to so do. Pardon? It's interesting you say that because I feel like, like a big difference between you and a lot of like the wellness world at the moment is that you really can just like visualize and things will come into your life. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. that's such a thing like the secret for example is a book that just says like if you think it it's going to come in but you are so right like you most of the time you end up achieving things because you've actually just gone and done it and not thought too much about it yeah I mean this I don't want to there's there's a lot you can say about the book the secret I think one of the things that you could argue that does have some validity is uh, your brain helps you find what you're looking for so if you're saying I really want to start a business, then your brain might start to help you identify certain ideas that you may never have seen before. So in that way, you're visualizing something or you're you're programming your mind to, or even if you just say, right, I want to look at how I can, uh, you know, um, earn some money or get into property. All of a sudden, You'll, you'll come across an article, you'll see something in, in, in the newspaper or online and your brain suddenly focuses on it. It's like you want to get yourself a different car. Suddenly the make and model you're thinking of getting, you spot them everywhere. Um, some people, not myself, but um, my daughter, she might, uh, she's into a shoe, she might be into a, a clothes. She spots things that I don't spot because it's of interest. So having a goal and having a desire you might actually start to notice things a bit more. But for me, the secret isn't just about, you know, manifesting. It's about getting off your backside and doing something, I think, is really helpful. Yeah, and you're so true, like like you were saying with the presenter thing. So you might visualise and have this idea like, oh, like I really want to be, what could I be? an actress an actress like I really like imagine if I really wanted to be an actress I'm like oh I'll be happy when I become an actress and I'm visualizing it every night and reading my vision out and then I go and do an audition and I'm like oh my god like don't look at me don't point the camera on me but I've wasted all that time thinking that that was what I wanted to do yeah and it's just about exploring it isn't it I mean and saying well and but you see by visualizing it and, and you might therefore you're you might notice, oh, I'm just reading something. There's some article here about acting classes. So that can help because your brain helps you find what you're looking for. But then it's like, yeah, but you've, you've got to then take some action. You know, our thinking is important. Of course it is. Mindset matters massively. But so, to you know, I got, 
got 13 rejections. Well, that's it's but but I but I contacted 13 different publishers and they all said no, but then eventually one publisher said yes. So it's learning to take action uh rather than just think it's about manifesting it, which again some people might disagree with, and that's absolutely fine. I'm cool with that, but I don't think life just rewards good intentions, it rewards good actions. Definitely. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you've obviously probably heard of that, got refused yeah. by all of his publishers. In the end, he published it himself. Honestly, wow. It's so crazy. It's so crazy that even to think like I've obviously we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but I've read your book, Paul, like my mum's read your book. And like to think that like if you would have listened to those 13 publishers, which I mean is probably quite a lot to say mm. no like you'd have just said oh it's obviously a pile of rubbish it's not worth putting out on the shelf that we wouldn't be here today I wouldn't be, like there's such good lessons that I've learned from it and it's such like a like just it's like non like non-wishy-washy it's very just to the yeah. point and I yeah. think that the world needs a bit of that but for people to reject it and you to have actually gone against them and still carried on is I just think it's amazing really yeah, good. And you're right. And it's that you go through one door, but then going through that one door, you suddenly come across other doors. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, because I wrote Sumo, then my publisher was then keen for me to write some other books. Because I wrote Sumo, which was, as you say, rejected by 13 publishers, someone was working for Greater Manchester Police. Right. Fair enough. Reads the book and goes, my brother would love this book. Right. So who's a brother? Well, he's a guy who at the time was just about to get a key role as head of player care and support at Manchester City. So in 2010, having read Sumo, he brings me into Manchester City Football Club and he goes, I want you to work with some of our players and staff. I think we could all do with a bit of Sumo. And I was involved in working with them on and off for, for 10 years. That's all the amazing. Wow. wow. Contact, isn't it? Again, I wasn't manifesting and visualising working with Manchester City. Um, but can you but you see how one action leads to different opportunities? A metaphor I sometimes use is life's a game of snakes and ladders. And sometimes you land on the snake and you get a setback. And you could argue when I lost my job through ill health, that was a big snake. You know, and I went way down the board. And yet it's like keep looking for the ladders and keep rolling that dice and keep persevering and be prepared to be flexible and be prepared to be adaptable. So for instance, sumo does stand for shut up, move on. But when we're doing it in schools, they love the ideas, but they were a bit uncomfortable with the phrase shut up, move on. So we adapted. We said, you could call it stop, understand, move on. I'm still the sumo guy, it's still S-U-M-O, but now it's a different definition. And when you then keep rolling the dice, you land on the ladder, that takes you to a different part of the board. And then you're in a different place, if you like. And so, yeah, writing the book meant that I um, ended up working with Manchester City. I mean, for five years, they had me on what they call a monthly retainer. I worked with all kinds of different players and staff. Um, and, and then you meet other people as a result of that. And then some of the players left and they work, they now play for a different club. And that other things led to me, you know, being involved in supporting players at different clubs apart from Man City. And then I sent my sumo book to a guy when he was a manager of a football club and I had no idea whether he'd even received it. And then recently we've stuck up a friendship and you just go, 
you not everything you touch turns to gold and not every time you roll the dice do you land on a ladder but you've more chance of landing on a ladder if you don't quit the game and keep being involved and and I see, you know, I've mentioned my age a couple of times, so I don't need to repeat it. But you could argue, all right, you get into that point where you think more about retirement than, than other people would. But I'm, I'm thinking more about what's the next adventure looking like. And if I'm honest, I don't know. You know, two years ago, so over two years ago, I wasn't thinking of writing a book for young people. Tomorrow, my book for young people has been out for, for a year. And it's, um, it's exciting. And I've been involved in... You know, there's a school in Spain who bought loads of copies of my book and, and they want me to go out and, and do a, do some sumo with them. And there's a school in New Zealand. And, and it's just, and I'm just like, whoa, who knows? Who knows? So it's good to have a direction that you want to travel in. So if you say to me, do you want to fancy investing in property management? No, I don't. But if you say, do you want to be on our podcast? Or as someone said to me yesterday, I'm running a women's uh, mental health week next year. Would you be interested in being one of the speakers? Yeah, of course I would. Someone says to me, I want to translate your book into Malaysian and do some stuff specifically for dads. Is that of interest? Yeah. Was wow. I, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the, the direction of travel. I know what my compass is in terms of where I want to go in terms of direction, but I don't know all the detail. But go in the direction, be open-minded, bottom line, be nice to people. It's not hard, just be nice, be respectful, learn from everybody. That's, that's my attitude, learn from anybody and everybody. Yeah, so true. And you don't have to learn like somebody might give you like information that you learn but you can also learn just about like the way that people are like how people interact with others or we were I was on a flight home the other day um and this guy sat in front of me and this like old man got on on his own and like it was just like he looked quite frail and he just sat in the corner and then like nobody else is really speaking to him and then a guy kind of near to him like reached across and was like did you have a good holiday mate and like I don't know even from that I was like that's just so nice and I hope to be somebody like that and yeah. be surrounded by people like that he didn't do anything but I was just learning like who he was through like three words my my mum uh, was a secretary and um you know a secretary in the 1960s and 70s and 80s where a lot of them were not necessarily treated with respect and there's a lot of sexism etc cetera, etc cetera. and I just remember from a very early age she just said always treat everyone with respect they will notice you know, if someone comes up to you, if you're in the middle of a, I don't know, an important meeting and then someone walks in with a tea and coffee, always look them in the eye, smile and make and say thank you. Now, to a degree, that comes quite naturally to me because I think I'm a fairly friendly person. But it's a good thing to be aware of it. The values that are instilled in you have an impact on, on, on how you do life. There was, there was one to show where, um, I think it was in America, where but Richard Branson was going to be, uh, it was something to do with the, these contestants, a bit like The Apprentice, but different. And um, all these people were going to be on the, were going to be on this show and they were going to try and convince Branson that he would be able to earn millions. And what he did was he dressed up as the, um, as the taxi driver or the chauffeur who was picking them up from a location to take them to this, you know, beautiful manor house where everything was going to be filmed. And um, he was observing how people treated the taxi driver, the chauffeur. But because he was 
disguised. They had no idea it was Branson. And when one of the people got to the to this luxurious manor, this villa, they were they were said, right, okay, Tony, just to let you know, um, you will be taking no further part in this show. And it was like, why? Well, we've not, we've not even started. Oh, Tony, we've started all right. Um, and then Branson came in as the as the chauffeur, taxi driver, took off his cap. And, and took off his disguise and he went the way you treated that guy because you didn't think it was Richard Branson you thought it was just a taxi driver means you will no longer take any part in this show it's a thing where they say that like the way you treat people who can't help you says everything about you like because if you can't get something off someone like some people probably just think oh what's the point but like yeah, I feel like the most profound lessons genuinely come from taxi drivers. <laughs> the amount of good, like deep conversations I've had with taxi drivers, and I'm like, oh god, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's but it's that's a great quote. Say it again. Um, it's like the way you treat people who can't do anything for you says everything about you. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. You know, and it, and it is. It's about treating everybody with with, with value and respect. I don't. Some people say you, people got to earn your respect. Well, I can like my, my starting point is everyone's valuable by just being here on this planet. Everyone has value. Everyone has worth. Whatever your job title, your age, your background, your gender, ethnicity. And there's something to learn from everyone. I, I learn from my little my group of kids where they all had to look through the first draft of my book. I learned from the 10 year old. You know, I'm learning, how can a 10-year-old teach? Because that's the title of the book. The target of the book is for that kind of person, that age. Of course I can learn. And and yet, and I think I'm, I say to people more my age, you know, stay hungry, stay humble. Yeah, I wanted absolutely. to talk a little bit about, so do you know in, obviously, Sumo, the book, um, yeah. one of the first chapters talks about, like the way you respond to things dictates the outcome which like and I I think I remember one of the examples and it was being like you can wake up in the morning and like you've spilt your coffee and like all down yeah and like all of a sudden your day starts to get ruined and like you're running around everywhere um and like the difference between that particular response like the response to what happens to you Mm -hmm. the way you respond to it and how it affects the outcome of your day, the outcome of your life. Like, I want you to delve into that a little bit for us. Sure. I I talk about, I actually now call it the magic formula, and the formula is E plus R equals O. And the E stands for the event, which can be anything. You know, we're going through, or hopefully coming out of a global pandemic, huge event, that one event has triggered millions of other events. But that email you got, that WhatsApp message, that comment on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, um, your conversation with your parents, with your, your partner, they're all events and that's the E. And we'll end up with an outcome. But be, but the formula isn't, the magic formula isn't E equals O. If that's the event, you know what the outcome is. It's E plus R equals O. It's the event plus my response or reaction that influences the outcome. And for years, I, I just lived, I guess, realised thinking life as E equals O. If you say something to me that I don't like, well, you know what's going to happen. And, and what I've realised is 
two people could have the same event and end up with a different outcome. I got it. You know, I'd say to organizations that could two of your staff could be dealing with the same issue with the customer. One deals with it one way and turns the customer around and they're a customer for life and they're really loyal to your business. One person deals with it a completely different way. And that customer says, you're never in my business again. And then goes on social media, slagging the organization off. But the same event happened to both customers. But it was how the person dealing with them responded to it. So and it's like I just found that quite profound to realize. So, for instance, W.H. Smith, let's bring it, you know, uh, W.H. Smith a year ago said, we think your book for young people is fantastic. We think there's never been a better time to have, to have this book available and we won't be stocking it. You go, hang on a minute. You think it's fantastic. You think it looks great. You think it's a valuable time for it to be out and you won't be stocking it. Pourquoi? Because I'm bilingual. Throw a bit of French. Makes them happy, right? Um, and, well, the reason why is because Gareth Southgate, England football manager, has a book coming out for young people at the same time as yours. Chris Hoy was a former, a former Olympic gold medalist, cyclist, won loads of medals in the Olympics for Team GB. He's also got a book coming out aimed at young people. So it's a case of, well, you know, we've got two celebrities writing a book and we've got Paul McGee. And so we're going to go with the celebrities because their name has greater recognition than yours does. So that's the event. So what do I do? Do I wear a victim T-shirt? Do I go, it's not fair? You know, why me? Why, why it's not fair about they didn't even write their book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be the victim. That can be your response and you'll get an outcome. And the outcome probably will be you won't sell many books and you'll just be unhappy and miserable. Or... You can go, all right, I need a bit of hippo time here. What are hippos doing? Mud, they wallow. One of my sumo principles is hippo time is okay. It is okay to not always feel okay. So those emotions are feeling mad, bad, or sad are all part of being human. Stop flipping, beating yourself up for being human. Because I do not talk about the fact we'd be happy all the time. I think that'd be a bit weird, right? So I need a bit of hippo time. I need to wallow. But what am I going to do now? Well, what I'm going to do now is think, OK, well, ask myself a question. All right. W.H. Smith, who normally stop my books, and I know you've seen them in airports. They're not going to stop this book, for kids. How can I influence or improve the situation? Well, I mean, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram at the sumo guy. I'm on Twitter at the sumo guy. I'm thinking I'm going to start tweeting about the book. I'm going to start posting images that are in the book on Instagram. I'm going to start making videos. And I just started pushing, thinking, what can I control and influence? And, and then I thought, why don't we get some posters based on some of the images on the book and send them to schools with a complimentary copy of the book and say, if you want any more books, let us know. We'll give them to you at cost price. And I kept on thinking about my response. Take some ownership. Don't be the victim. Don't play the victim role. Take some ownership and responsibility. So my event was W.H. Smith saying to stop my book. My response was have a bit of hippo time, but then take some ownership because hippo time is a detour, not a destination. So take some ownership, focus on what you can do, get some support. Did that? What's my outcome? This book, which has been out a year this week, in the first year it's been out, has sold more copies than any other book I've published before. Oh wow, my God. amazing. All about taking ownership and responsibility. And 
what I kind of want people just to understand is because we do a lot of stuff on autopilot without thinking is we, we often blame if we don't get a great outcome, we go, well, that's because of the event. That's because of the other person's behavior. That's because this happened or that happened. And of course, that impacts us. But what I'm saying is, yeah, but it's not E equals O. It's E plus R equals O. It is the event. Of course it is. But how are you going to respond and react? I got an email that lives off a friend, off a, a, a relative, not a friend, a relative lives in Australia. When I read the email, I felt angry and emotional and wanting to throttle him. That was my event. I knew if I sent the email I want to send him, what would my outcome be? Him and I would no longer be speaking. And when people would say to me, how come you two are no longer speaking? What would I say? Because of the email he sent me. Uh, uh, no, it was because of the email he sent you. Plus your response to it, your reaction, your reply. That's why you got that outcome. And what we tend to do at times is blame not having great outcomes always on the event. And what I'm saying is, let's put ourselves in this equation. Let's take a little bit of leadership. Let's take some ownership and go, all right, it is the event, but it's also how I respond to it. And so what did I do with that email? I, I didn't do anything for 24 hours. I allowed myself to calm down. I chose the next day to de-escalate the issue, not escalate it. Wow. And we're in a great relationship still. But I could still be in a, in a situation where my brother and I don't speak. And people might say, what happened? And I'd say, the email he sent me. No, it was the email in your reply, your reaction, your response. You're in the equation. So be aware of that. E plus R equals O. Wow. Honestly, like... It's so interesting that because I think that like it's almost too easy to be firstly what you said at the start about being a victim like it's so much easier to be like oh god it's just it's failed now than mm. to be like right yeah it's failed but like how are we going to make it succeed do you know what I mean so it is and then also like radical responsibility as well like understanding that like the things that are happening to you, like you have a part to play in them and the way you respond, it is so interesting that because I know for example, with my family, there's been like a couple of arguments and I know if I had to ask them that, where they no longer speak. And I know if I was to ask them, why did that happen? Both people would say, oh, it's because of him or oh, it's because of her. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's actually not. It's the way that both parties dealt with the situation. Yeah, and and you know, if I if I'd have decided, which people might have decided still, look, um, the outcome is that him and I are no longer speaking, and I'm okay with that. Fair enough, but own that. Don't just put all the blame on the other person or on the other party. Own it lots of things happen as challenges don't they going back to snakes and ladders you've landed on a snake it wasn't your fault because you know let's get away from this myth that life should be fair no life is just life and it's not always fair you land on a snake well it's not my fault we'll land on a snake you're dead right it's not your fault but you've landed on one so what are you going to do quit the game blame someone say the dice is loaded against me 
or think, okay, well, I'm going to have to roll the dice again, aren't I? I'm going to roll my sleeves up, look for the ladders. And you know what soon as it happens? You land on a flipping another snake. And you go, why me? This is terrible. No, it's life. Keep in the game. Keep rolling the dice. Remember, rocket fuel, so much used to break free from the gravitational pull of the earth. You don't see success straight away, but all that effort matters over time. Plant bamboo trees, nothing's happening here. It's been three years. You might have to wait another year or two, and then you start to see some growth. That's kind of part of my message, I guess. And I suppose it's, it's come from, yes, my research, but it's also come from my life experience. And I've worked with a lot of different people in lots of different parts of the world, you know, and been very inspired by many, many different people. That's um, honestly so good. And I think what you're saying, like, if you stay in the game and that each day, like you were saying at the start, like if each day you're just making sure that day is the best it can be instead of focusing too much on the future or too much on the destination. Because I do think, to be honest, if the odds are stacked against you and you're focusing too much on the future and the goal and thinking about the end in sight, when you're not, when the odds are stacked, it can sometimes feel a bit like hopeless. But if you just take each day as it comes and start to think like, right, like what can I do today? You yeah. will start moving up the ladders like you were saying. I mean, when I was ill with ME, Sammy and, and Jen, it was sometimes you would, what I could only look back on was to say, okay, well, you got out of bed today. You made it downstairs. You actually were well enough to have a shower. Um, you weren't well enough to go for a little walk around the block today. Okay. And then other days, hey, you did it. And you did it with your walking stick, but you did it. it, it you walked slowly. You looked like you were an old age pensioner rather than someone in your early 20s, but you did something today. And you watch a film and you kind of go, all right, that was, well, that was, I quite enjoyed that. And then my wife comes home from work and we have a meal together. And, you know, and it's just like, we are we're pro we are wired it's it's a bit might not have time to go into this now but we are wired to have an inbuilt negativity bias we notice the bad stuff uh, which is helpful on the african savannah 200,000 years ago if there's loads of gazelles which is lunch for you um but you ignore the saber-toothed tiger the threat well you won't be having lunch you'll be someone's lunch so our brains evolved to help us prioritize bad news and to notice there's a threat there. If you want to stay alive, notice the flipping threat. But what it means now is, is that um, we're programmed at times to always be very aware of the negatives. It's like if, if you were to see, let's say you had 50 people review this podcast and 48 thought it was great and two slagged it off and didn't like it at all. What do you remember? The 48 or the two? You remember the two. It's how we've evolved as a species. So what I'm saying is it is easy to lose hope. You're right, particularly when you keep on thinking about the future and what you haven't achieved. But keep focusing on those little small steps you take every day. Keep remembering there are still things to be thankful for and to be positive about. And this is not a magic wand answer. You know, it's, it's not always easy. It's a flipping struggle at times. But you stay in the game. And, and don't discount the importance of those small steps. What you were saying as well of like the illness and like, oh, how you kept that positive mindset up of like, oh, well, I have got up today and this is what I have achieved rather than focusing on what I hadn't. 
I've been following this story of like this, she was an influencer or she is, but she gave up and she had MS and then she's gone and had stem cell. You can like have your stem cells clean so that like it essentially gets rid of it. But she was speaking to somebody who was on the treatment with her and they were saying that they didn't find out for ages that they had MS, even Mm. though they'd been tested because you can find out in your genes, but the doctor didn't tell them because they knew that she had it. But it was when she went back and was like, oh, why didn't you tell me? I don't know how like lawful this is it was in Mexico <laughs> but um so like why didn't you tell me and he was like because I knew that as soon as you found out you'd give up wow interesting yeah it's interesting isn't it I mean there's a lot in life there's there's no one single ingredient to success in life there's a combination of them but you know some self-belief can help talked about the support of other people remembering e plus r equals o allowing yourself some hippo time at times just feel a little bit low feel mad bad or sad it's okay there's a lot of different things and sometimes beliefs are incredibly powerful aren't they so i i had a belief years ago that i would i would write books and i just had that as a belief and i got rejections and i got support and i got close to quitting but i did have a belief that i could do that and um beliefs are powerful and if you look at the word belief if you were to write it out now B-E-L-I-E-F-S. But remember that the middle part of the word belief is L-I-E. Sometimes we believe lies about ourselves. And I think we just need to be aware of how powerful beliefs can be because Mm -hmm. some of them are lies. But even though it's a lie, it can, if we believe it, it can have a really negative effect on us. And I think one of the biggest lies that people are believing right now is that to have worth, they have to have achieved, but to have value, they have to look a certain way. And I think that's a really, really bad lie. You know, you have worth full stop. You have value for just being here full stop. Now, of course you want to achieve and of course you might want to look after yourself and eat well and 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 exercise well and all those things are fantastic but we but sometimes we believe we only have value we only have worth if we look a certain way if we achieve so much do you think for you obviously starting like the personal development game like 30 years ago do you think that when you're seeing people's problems not problems but like limiting beliefs now and like the pressures that people are putting on themselves now do you think it's changed from back then to now in terms of that kind of like needing to achieve and needing to look a certain way do you think that's evolved over the past like like 10 20 30 years or do you think that has always been something predominant well again great question i mean there's some positives and negatives because what's happened with social media and the internet has given people much more access for information so on one level we have got more access and opportunity to to learn about skills and tools and insights that will help us so that's the great news when i was starting my personal development journey you know, there was no um, TED Talks, there was no YouTube, there, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter, there was no, 
that we didn't even talk about mental health or resilience. They know there, there was stuff out there, but it was limited. So now there is an abundance. You can wake up in the morning, <clears throat> go on Instagram, get a video of Mel Robbins or someone else and get inspired straight away. So that's really good. But I think where things have changed, Sammy and Jen, is it the whole comparison. Because before, before the internet, really got going and we were all on it and before i think you know i i wrote a book in 2010 called self-confidence when that book came out in 2010 we didn't have instagram so things have changed a lot and what it's meant was 30 years ago my comparisons were with people who i knew in my street in my network now my comparisons are with seven and a half billion people on the planet you know so you can you could have gone to the gym 25 years ago and, and looked at you around the gym and thought, flipping that compared to other people, I'm looking flipping awesome. <laughs> now, you go on Instagram and you go, oh, I thought I was doing well. Yeah. I thought my thighs were to die for. Look at what I've done with my calves and my biceps. But look at this bloke. <laughs> look at this woman. And so the challenge we've got is there are so many more people to compare ourselves with which if we're not careful is reinforcing you're not good enough, you haven't achieved. Yeah. Whereas maybe 25, 30 years ago, you could say there was less competition, there was less visibility of what people had actually done. So we went in our, we, our worlds seemed a lot smaller. So though we, I rejoice that our worlds are bigger because we can engage with people more, I can reach more people and I can learn a lot more for free. But I've also got, I can do a lot more comparing my life with some other people's lives as well. If I, I'm all right, just leave you some final words of advice. Of course. Yes. You know, one of the things to think about, and it, I fall into this trap, and again, it's an age thing that will be different for you. But when I hear that someone dies, the first thing I want to know is how old were they? You know, how old were they? So a friend of mine died this week, but he was 71. And, and, I, and I suddenly went, Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 57, so I've got 14 years and hopefully I'll live longer. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Paul, whatever your age, it's, it, don't count your days. Make your days count. Whatever age you are. Because I think some people can get obsessed with, I want to live to be 90, I want to live to be 100. Yeah, but how about live for today? How about making today count? Don't be counting your days. Make your day count. You know, so my age, getting towards my late 50s, but it's just a number, isn't it? I still want to make my days count, not write myself off because maybe I'm getting a bit too old. And also for people maybe more your age, don't kind of go, well, I can't achieve anything because I've not done enough in life and I've not got enough experience. Hey, you can still change the world whatever your age and I think it's not by counting your days it's about making each and every day we've got on this planet count and even like I feel like for young people and for us we wish our lives away a little bit mm. like we wait until that day in our 20s when we're gonna hit that success or mm. we're wishing for the future of that holiday or like little things that we do wish our days away almost and then like from your perspective it's the complete opposite it's like no make every day so it is yeah. so important like wake up and we 
keep saying at the moment about like in a way romanticizing your life like enjoy that morning coffee like thoroughly enjoy it like put your phone down when you're speaking to your parents the little things like that and making your life a little bit more like a movie or like a little bit better in that kind of sense and cherishing it a little bit more makes each day a little bit more meaningful and realizing when you've got something good as well like Mm. you'll look back like if you were at your friend's funeral like I went to one last week and then you think back and be like oh like how nice is it when we went for those meals together and stuff but when we went for those meals we probably just skipped through it and I was thinking about getting back and like watching a film or something do you know what I mean like you skip through it it's so easy just to fast forward your days through life and it's always like you always think about the next thing the next thing the next thing and that is understandable to a degree and it's good to have things to look forward to we're hoping to go to cyprus in a few days time have that in the diary for six weeks it's good to have that to look forward to but i don't want to be here today kind of like oh i wish i was in cyprus now well remarkably we've got quite a nice day in warrington today um (laughs) the sun's been shining i've already been on two walks and it's like, well, yeah, of course I'm looking forward to Cyprus and I, I hopefully we'll have some better weather than we've got here, but I can still enjoy today to some extent. And as you say, simple things, Sammy, like savour that coffee, realise that so much of what we take for granted in life, you know, 100 years ago, you know, kings and queens didn't live like we do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that we have now that we take for granted. Um you know, I've you know I've done a lot of work in 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 Africa, particularly in Kenya, and and worked in the largest slum area in the whole of Africa, really? a place called Kibera. Do you know what? Some of the people in Kibera are so poor they can't afford to buy a tube of toothpaste, so they buy it on a daily basis, just enough toothpaste to be able to clean their teeth that day. That's you know, crazy. and that to would oh you got you got something on your feet how amazing is that you know the things that we take for granted you know even now you might get yourself fill up your kettle when you fill up your kettle it's probably a very good chance there's clean water you know there's probably about at least i don't know 500 million kids on this planet don't even have access to clean water so I'm not trying to make us feel guilty. I'm saying, come on, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the I completely and, agree. And appreciate, appreciate stuff. It's hard. It is hard in the Western world because you go, well, why well, should I appreciate it? Because I've just got the kind of life everyone else has got. Yeah, but it's not the same as everyone in the planet. And, and maybe savour that coffee. Savour the fact that when you turn on your shower, flipping I've got hot water instantly. You know, I sometimes I've got a friend of mine who's literally lost his sight. And sometimes when I'm having a little morning walk, I'm going, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so thankful for the universe. I've got eyes to see. I'm listening to a podcast like yours. I'm thinking, I've got ears to hear. Yeah. Hearing about a guy today who's got three profoundly deaf kids. And I'm like, wow, just wake up and smell the coffee a bit, mate, and get off autopilot and appreciate this miracle called life. Oh, honestly, that is like, when you say stuff about, um like different countries that I really don't think we think about on the day-to-day I was watching um Reggie Yates like he's a he's a presenter and he went to Nigeria um and basically he he was basically with these Nigerian men who basically burn copper for a living 
and literally get like the, so they set on fire and they're burning it every single day and most of them don't even live past 20 or like in the 20s because they're constantly inhaling this smoke every single day and he went to live with them for a week and honestly like the nicest group of men like they're just so funny they're dancing all the time and like they've got kids who live on the site with them and they're saying like oh yeah maybe one day like I'll have enough money to send my kids up north so that they can go to school there but um this is all I can do at the moment because there's like tiers of what kind of jobs you can do and obviously if you if you're a burner boy that's what they call them that's all you really are and you get what like like eight pound a day maximum that's mm. honestly probably on like a very lucky day and they just mm. sat burning copper for hours and it's so eye-opening the blessings that we genuinely have yeah that we just moan about <laughs> it's you know we could go on and on and 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 it's not about trying to make people feel guilty it's just about maybe can be a bit more aware and perhaps realize there is a lot to be, you know, people might go, what have I got to be thankful for in my life? You know, and I'm like, well, if you woke up feeling sad and miserable, just remember this, you woke up and dust yourself down and seize the flipping day. Mm, I love that. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Can you let everyone you. know? Obviously, we'll write all your details down below, but where is the main place that people can get you, can buy your book? Sure. I do think from getting the books, probably Amazon is still your best bet, really. Uh, just put Paul McGee in MCGWE or put in the sumo guy and loads of my books will come up. And then again, Insta at the sumo guy and Twitter at the sumo guy and um, my website. If you wanted to have a look at the website, it's called the sumo Basically put the phrase the sumo guy <laughs> into various. I think people <laughs> probably know what to write now. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, you might get some big flat Japanese wrestler, but scroll down, you might come across me as well. Anyway, (laughs) been great chatting to you both. It really has. And I wish you loads of success with all your other episodes of the podcast as well. Thank thank you so much. much. And if you do ever want to come back on in this, like stuff you like think about to talk about and stuff, definitely let us know because honestly, I know everyone's going to love it. So, all right. Well, that's really good to hear. And, uh, Thank you for having me as your guest. Thank you so much. much. Have a lovely day.